chapter 2. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircum uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you, were once, you who once were far off have been brought near the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself once new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you, who were, far, who were afar off, and to those who were near, for through him we both have access to one by the Spirit of the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Thanks, Alex. You're such a gamer reading that whole passage. That's a whole chapter of scripture, guys. Alex, way to go. I hope you carved up before that. Um, man, I hope you guys had a great break. It's so good to be back here together with you. I'm sure you've been asked this question like 20 times already, and you've probably only been in Bloomington for like two hours. But everybody wants to know, so how was your break? And uh, you better have something really profound to say, right? Because if you had a lame break, then you're out of luck, um, and why would we even continue this conversation? Um, just kidding. But, uh, you know, whenever people ask me that question, I never know what to share because I didn't really do anything that exciting. The highlights of my break sound really boring to most people. Like, I got in a really good long run on a treadmill, and that was nice because I didn't have to go outside. Or like, I went to this good restaurant, and they had a really good hamburger. Um, this might not sound that exciting to you, but this is definitely one of the highlights of my break. Um, it's very strange for me to say this, but actually, 
It occurred with my in-laws. Most people are like, how can a highlight of your break occur with your in-laws? Um, I'm really thankful. I really like my in-laws. They're really nice people, and there are a lot of them. Um, my wife has three siblings, and so she has a brother who's, we're both, uh, we're both, uh, I'm going to tell you my age, I'm 27, and my wife's younger than that. Maybe, maybe not. Um, she, she has a brother who's like 22 or 23, and he has a wife, and so they're close to our age. And she has another sister who's a senior in college, um, and so she's there. And then she has another sister who's a junior in high school, and so we all make fun of her, and it's so much fun. Um, it's just perfect to have someone that age. She's so easy to make fun of. Um, and then my wife's parents are just easygoing people and uh, good-natured. And so one of my favorite things to do is eat breakfast. Um, they all drink way too much coffee, um, and so we'll get like three cups of coffee into breakfast, and we've got like pancakes, and like, they do it right. Like, we'll have like two or three meats at breakfast. Like, we'll have like bacon and sausage, or like bacon and ham. So like, this is like heaven breakfast, you know? Um, and so I love eating breakfast with them. And one of the highlights of my break was during our last breakfast when we were all together, my father-in-law asked a question that... I wouldn't say is something that I normally would have the guts to ask or would just think to ask when I've got the whole family gathered around the table. Um, he said, hey, while, you're, while we're all here together, let me ask you this question. Um, something that you need to know about my family for this to make sense is that um, we are all believers. Uh, we've all made decisions as individuals to follow Jesus Christ in our lives, and we're living that out. Um, and so the question that he asked us made sense in our context. He said, when did you own your faith? When did you really make it your own? Um, and this question was something that uh, we all went around the table and shared our answer with that. And this question really gets to this um, understanding, when did we really choose to believe our faith instead of have it just be something that maybe we grew up with or we practiced because our friends did it? Um, when did it really become something that became core to our individual identity? Um, was there a moment? I think for most of us there were several different moments, and I want you to think about your life. Um, what was a moment where you really owned your faith? This may be the second time I've asked you that question if we've gone out to lunch or got coffee. I love to ask this question, and just to hear what people say. Um, the experiences that shape us as people, whether we're Christians, and even if we're not Christians, we all have stories that we can tell, the way in which our lives have worked out to make us the people we are, and I believe that God enters into our stories to bring us to the point in our lives where we're going to be living in line with his will. And for us to be able to come together as a body of believers and as a family and share those things was really meaningful. Some of the stories, I was shocked. I was like, man, like, I thought I knew you. And uh, we had these really, like, profound experiences. Um, you know, a member of our family just really having some struggles with um, doubt and anger at being raised as a Christian, and she didn't necessarily want that for herself, and so she um, turned away and decided she wasn't a Christian, and in that process she was like, you know what, maybe that does kind of make sense, and she turned back. Um, a story that I can tell is from my freshman year of college. I went to Michigan. Who's from Michigan? Anybody from Michigan here? Thank God. Don't go to Michigan. <laughs> Shame on me for saying that, but I, I'm not going to apologize. Um, man, I got to Michigan and I had such high hopes. Um, I was going to, you know, grab the bull by the horns and be the greatest college freshman in the history of the world. I'm sure none of you have ever felt that way. Um, but I had, I had big plans for myself. And uh, sadly, my plans did not go nearly as well as I'd hoped. I was not nearly as fast as, 
fast of a runner as I thought I was. I wasn't quite as intelligent as I thought I was. Um, I actually had to work for it. Um, and that's for C's. And uh, <laughs> Michigan, man, it's so dark and cold all the time. Stay in Indiana. And so I was in Michigan, and I was having a really hard time. And uh, I remember just some conversations with my family and my friends, and I was thinking about making a transfer, which I eventually did. Um, but there was one day in the spring where I, uh, I was injured. I had a stress fracture in my shin, and I couldn't run, which was a big aspect of my own personal identity. That's who I was. Um, my academics weren't going great. I didn't know where I was going to transfer to, if, even if I did transfer. And I'm going for a walk behind my college dorm room, because I was going crazy sitting in my dorm. And so I just went for a walk, and I remember standing back there, I was like, who, you know, anybody see the movie Zoolander, where he's like, who am I? <laughs> that was the question I was asking myself. I'm like, who am I? And I was like, either I start believing this Christianity stuff is true, or I'm going to drive myself nuts, seeking to find a way to justify myself, give myself worth. Um, and God really met me in that moment. That was a moment where I can look back and say, I really owned my faith in that moment as God in His Spirit met me in the circumstances of my life and gave me a glimpse of who He was and what He was doing. He was using those experiences to shape me, to show that He created me the way He had for a reason, but that I wasn't the center of my life, that He could use me in ways greater than I could even know, and that things that might seem really bad in my life could end up being things that He used to give me a bigger picture of who He is and to be able to care for others. And. Uh, I can look back and say that some of those things that were extremely difficult, I'm sure glad I don't have to go back there, but I'm really glad that he did those things because I wouldn't be here before you if he hadn't used those things to shape me um, and give me a picture of his grace. So think about those moments in your life. Um, what have been some of those moments where you've really owned your faith? I love hearing your stories and I hope that I can get to hear more of them. Um, so that might seem like a really weird way to introduce a sermon series on community. Um, but I want you to see this passage that we just read. Um, thanks a lot for reading that, Alex. That's, that was really long. Um, this passage is a story of a community of people um, with God at work in the center of their story and what was going on. Um, the powerful and life-changing thing that their encounter with God was and what that meant for them. Um, so we read from the book of Ephesians. It was chapter 2. If any of you have your Bibles with you, I'd love it if you could um, pull those out to Ephesians chapter 2. And you can just kind of follow along. Um, maybe you're like half listening to me and half reading along with the scripture. I've listened to enough sermons. I know how it goes. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. I think God's spirit can work in here. Um, and so uh, this letter that we read from, Paul's letter would have been a huge encouragement to these people. They were in the town of Ephesus, and they were people who weren't Jews. Um, meaning that they were outside of the covenant community of God's people, or the religious insiders of that day. And so they would have been people who weren't necessarily feeling like they and God had it together. Um, their relationship was non-existent. They were separated from God's community, the Jews, until Paul came to them and shared with them the good news of Jesus Christ and what that meant if they simply had faith. Um, so the Ephesians, the Ephesians he was writing to weren't from a religious background, and uh, they would have been outsiders before this good news came to them. But when Paul came to them, it changed everything for them. Um, they who were on the outside were brought to the inside. They believed in Christ. I love, I love those verses. They believed in Christ and the faith that justified them before God, as Paul says, brought them near who were previously far off. And so, you know, I think this probably wasn't the first time Paul had shared this with them. 
I imagine he was writing to remind them and encourage them of this reality that their standing with God um, was in Christ now and eternally. Um, these were things they'd heard before, but things that they would need to hear again and again to really believe they were true. They were justified by faith through God's grace for them in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, this is a message that they needed to hear again and again to really be able to live out that belief that this is true. Um, and so Paul reminds them, look at verse, uh, the first five verses of this. He reminds them in the first five verses that before they came to faith, they, like all people do as a default, lived as if they were the God of the universe, with themselves as the center of meaning and authority. Um, so this default condition we call sin separated them from the true and righteous God. They couldn't earn their way back to right standing with God through good behavior. Um, they couldn't do it through religious actions. Paul says they were dead. So they may have been physically alive and thriving, but spiritually they were dead. Um, sin is deceptive like that. But after the first few verses of bad news we read there, it's followed by some incredibly good news. Uh, as the scripture says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 8, uh, you can read along with me. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Um, so apart from anything they had done or deserved, God then made them alive simply by his grace when they just looked to Christ in faith. Um, and you know, we say this a lot. The truth claims of this passage certainly aren't just for the Ephesians in their context. They were for the Ephesians in their context, but they're also full of meaning and hope for us today. I would argue that our response to these truth principles is probably the most important thing we have to consider in our lives. How is God meeting you in your life right now to give you a picture of how he's created you, how he's loved you, and how he's full of grace for you, even when you've been a huge jerk, totally undeserving of it? Um, there's nothing you can do to earn his favor or justify yourself. You just believe in your need for a savior and trust in Christ. And then once you've done that, never stop doing it. All of your life and efforts to grow in knowledge and grow in holiness must be squarely rooted in humble remembrance and thankfulness for what he's done for you. That's a message I have to preach to myself all the time. It's all about what he's done for me and what he's doing through us. Um, it's never about me and what I can do on my own power. Um, and so that first half of this chapter is incredibly personal and incredibly important. Um, I could stop this message right now, and that would be just fine. There would be nothing wrong with that. Um, I know I'm killing you guys preaching on a whole passage of Scripture. One whole chapter, I mean. Um, but I think it's absolutely critical for us to recognize that in the second half of this passage, Paul was teaching the Ephesians that their faith in Christ, though it was extremely personal, it wasn't only personal. The gospel didn't simply change their individual identity. It brought them into a new community with belonging to that community as a central ingredient of their own identity. It's just as much a part of who they are as the families they were born into. 
this passage explains that the faith that united them to God unites them in the community of God with other believers. The distinctions of identity that previously separated them from their Jewish counterparts, they had no standing any longer. God's previously exclusive people of promise were no different from them. The work of Christ was doing a new thing, creating a bond of faith between them and the person and work of Jesus Christ. To use Paul's metaphor, the wall between them was down. They were now one people, together in Christ. It was an inseparable part of their identity. And uh, at the end of the, the chapter, we see Paul use this metaphor of the church being like a temple building. In verses 19 through 22, you can check that out. He says, Christ is like the main stone in the corner on which the whole building is constructed. And each believer is like a brick, taking his or her place in the building as God holds those bricks together through the power of his spirit. And we each find our identity as a part of the whole building. We only achieve our intended purpose of our existence, of our creation in Christ, for which we were built. If we are rooted on that square in Christ, that cornerstone, that's where we're held together in purpose as we pursue being his people in the world. And apart from that, a people held together on the cornerstone of Christ, united in one purpose, we're just a pile of bricks. Um, scripture is full of language that talks about this communal nature of the gospel. Followers of Christ are described as one people, a common nation, a family, one body. Belonging to community is inherent to our identity as Christ followers. And uh, so why did we decide to make this a whole semester? Maybe this seems like something that we can cram into one message. Why does this matter so much? It matters because it's a huge part of the teachings of Scripture that we need to hear and strive to live into that is extremely countercultural. Um, our world tells us that we find community... Um, first, it tells us that community is something that we have to create. Um, and that is certainly true to a certain extent. We develop relationships. There is a process aspect of living in community. <laughs> However, the passage that we read shows us that the strongest community possible is something that already exists because it's created in the church because of the work of Christ. Christ has united this body of community. This is countercultural. We have a way of thinking that community is something that stands in people who are similar to us. Community is found in those who are my age. Um, community is found in those who are in my same socioeconomic status, my same geographic location, those with similar interests. Um, people with a similar personality, people who are on the same life track. My community is all in people who are going to college. Um, people who may be motivated beyond blue-collar work levels. Um, we have a way of distinguishing ourselves from others and creating community exclusively on those that we relate to the most. And honestly, I can't even say that when I'm not thinking critically, um, the way I participate in community isn't really something that is naturally on my mind by any standards. Like the Ephesians, I think it's really common in our culture to put the self at the center of authority in our lives and to live out our lives like identity is found in myself, like purpose is found solely in my own self-actualization, or primarily in my own self-actualization, I should say. And that project can become the ultimate focus of my life. Um, and honestly, this, that's a sin I struggle against. It's something that I repent of. And I'm striving by God's grace to live more according to the truth of how he's created me for community. Um, 
But scripture tells us that this community is central to our identity and that it exists squarely in Christ. We, so this is, it's kind of strange to think about it. We're intimately connected with people who may have totally different interests from us. Um, people who may be 60 years older than us. People who speak other languages and eat foods that smell funny um, and look nothing like us. We are family with people who we may have nothing in common with other than Christ. But the crazy thing is, when you recognize that and you live in community in light of the truth that Christ is the center of our lives and our community, some really profound moments of growth can happen in us and in our understanding of God. Um, some of the most impactful moments in my own faith have been through experiences of community with people I had nothing in common with other than faith in Christ, because once I got in community with them, I realized that was the only thing that really mattered. Um, people who are really old, <laughs> or have really different hobbies from me, or talk very differently from me, have mentored me, and cared for me, encouraged me, and supported for me, and supported me in really powerful ways. Um, there's a quote I love. I read this book called Life Together by a German pastor from the 1940s and 50s. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, and uh, we read this book called Life Together, and something that he said that really made an impact on me is this statement. He said, Christian community is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created in God, created by God in Christ in which we may participate. The more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone, the more serenely shall we think of our fellowship and pray and hope for it. Wow, that is just a totally new way of thinking for me. Christian community is not an ideal we must realize, but a reality created by God in Christ. Um, what an amazing truth. Our bond is in Christ. It's there. We're family. It's at the core of who we are. Um, are we going to participate in it or not? Um, when we believe this truth, it opens up the door for us to experience life and faith. Um, it's so much more of a deep level. Um, we can grow and learn from the perspective of people who are very different from us. Um, we're encouraged by them. We're able to encourage them. And we find that the faith that unites us is the most important thing. When all those minor things don't even match up in the least. Um, and I have to say this right now. You may have heard me say this. I've shared this quote before. But I heard a guy giving a message once, once say this. You mostly preach what you most need to learn. Um, and I can say that lines up for me as someone who preaches. Um, the things that I'm going to talk to you about most are the things that I need to learn the most. And this is one of them. Um, something that has changed my life is stopping and thinking about what it means for me to be a member of the body of Christ. And I hope that we, throughout the semester, can study and think and discuss together what it looks like for us to be the body of Christ in this place. And I hope that we can support and encourage each other as we strive to live this stuff out. And, uh, you know, let me say, I didn't think this stuff was really that big of a deal until a few years ago when my pastor was teaching on community. And, uh, and I felt really convicted because I was kind of trying to make my life a little bit of a solo Christian project. And it really, uh, it really, it humbled me. And I can say one of the reasons that it made such a big impact on me is because I experienced it. Um, I'll say one of my best friends is a guy who I can't believe I'm even saying he's one of my friends. Um, his name is Matt Bray, and I met him in Tennessee, and he's Canadian, so he's one of those people who talks funny. Um, 
Matt is 42 years old. Um, he probably wouldn't care if I shared his age. He'd probably make a smart aleck comment about it. Um, and he's balder than I am. I hope he listens to this message. I'm going to have to send it to him. Um, but he's also ruggedly good looking, Matt. Um, and uh, he's a concrete pourer. And so Matt, um, he's, he's lived a really interesting life. He moved to America from Canada when he was in his teens. And he had some real struggles um, with addiction. But God got a hold of his life, turned him around, and man, this guy is fired up and on fire. And he has a heart for community. And I had no reason to cross paths for him except one Sunday after church. He was like, hey, man, let's grab coffee. And so we grabbed coffee. And like he would call me like two or three times a month, and we'd keep grabbing coffee. And he would just like speak truth into my life. And I'm like, man, like usually I just hang out with like runners or like people my age. But you're like 15 years older than me, and you're kind of like changing my life. Like, what is the deal? And through that experience, I've been encouraged to spend time with people who are nothing like me. And uh, through my ACG here at, at ECC, I've been able to create relationships and learn from people who are extremely different from me. Engineers and librarians and people from China. In our small group, I have PhD students um, in political science. I don't even like politics. And they've been able to offer so much insight to me um, in ways that I'm not even thinking. I have a girl in my small group who tells me she can't even feel like she's praying unless she's dancing. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? But she's encouraged me in some really huge ways. And so I'm just so thankful for the way in which, the God, which God has uniquely equipped the body of Christ that by his spirit, we can encourage each other and build each other up and support each other in ways that we couldn't know, we couldn't even have a hope of doing if we didn't get outside of our comfort zones and the people that we would normally put ourselves into categories with, if it's just up to us to decide who we're related to, right? Um, and so, you know, I'm 27 years old, so some of my dreams have been crushed. I'm probably not going to the Olympics anytime soon. Um, I'm already married, and that's a dream come true. Boom. Hey, we celebrated our fifth anniversary on January 2nd. Give that woman a round of applause. Um, seriously, it's all... Um, but uh, what was I even talking about? Yeah, dreams. I still do have some dreams. We just got a puppy, and that was one of my dreams. And now it's one of my nightmares. Um, but, uh, you know, we have uh, other stuff we want to do. I want to do an Ironman triathlon someday. That's one of my dreams. And I want to do it fast. So that's one of my dreams. Um, I uh, Yeah, we want to have kids and stuff. So that's a dream. But one of my greatest dreams, and I'm, this is going to sound really... Maybe this is very personal, but like something that keeps me up at night are my dreams for this community. Um, just our church and connection. To be a place that more and more embodies the community that Jesus Christ saved us as a people to become. A people who love each other when we look nothing like each other. I want to know people who are so much more different from me and gain from their experiences. I want to see freshman girls who go to crew talking to senior guys who are from Zimbabwe, and getting to know each other. Um, I would love to see art students showing up at the cross-country meets. I would love to see kids from the cross-country meets coming to your band play at the Dunkirk. Um, I would love for us to more and more be a people that recognizes that who we are and our identity is rooted squarely in Christ, and to come and not let the things that could easily separate us have any bearing in comparison to the bond that we share in Christ, because that will add so much richness to our lives. It'll add so much richness to our fellowship. And that 
will be more of a witness to the world than any sermon I could ever preach or any scripture verse I could ever read. As God's Spirit works through us and in us to be His community in this world according to His callings on our lives, that is my dream for this place. It's already happening, and praise God for that. By His grace, He's doing these things. Um, but man, I would love for us to embody this more and more, wouldn't you guys? Um, can I get an amen? I always want to say that. Thank you so much. That's the first and last time I'll ever do that. Um, so, uh, man, we've got a whole semester on community, and I cannot wait. Um, next week, we're going to dig into how God has created us for community, how community is at the center of our story is going to be something else we're going to look at. How community is established in Christ, what that community looks like, um, how it changes the way we live our lives, how it allows us to be a benefit to the world. Um, let's worship God. Um, the God who saves us brings us into life together with Him, for each other, and for the world. Um, so, Ben, why don't you guys come forward, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to close in a song of worship. And then eat some pizza and make some new friends and catch up. Uh, Father God, we praise you for your word. Um, I thank you so much for the way that you spoke um, to Paul and you put the words on his lips um, to give to the Ephesians, Lord, to remind them of your grace for them, um, that while they were dead, you met them and gave them new life in Christ. And uh, Lord, um, this is hope. And uh, I thank you for the way that um, you've given me a recognition of my need for you and um, I just pray that you would continue to do that and uh, never let me become arrogant and think that um, anything is due to myself. And I pray that in our community we would be a people that is humble, recognizing that it's by your grace alone that we are one and that you would work in us um, to allow us to see the reality that we are a people in you. Um, we already are one in you, Lord, and we're a family. Help us to live like that is true. And I pray that your word would continue to teach us this semester, that we would be able to embody this more and more, and uh, that that would be a testament to the world of your love for your people. And, uh, and uh, we just pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand, guys.